You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Broncos Audio Zone. I'm Phil Milani, joined, as always, by Eric Dalala. We're back with another episode of Broncos Country Throwback. This time, Ring of Famer Lionel Taylor joins Jim Sakamano. Yeah, Phil, Taylor was part of the team's very first Ring of Fame class in 1984, and for good reason. He led the AFL in receptions for five of the first six seasons of the league. Uh, Just a really impressive player among the best in franchise history. And it's going to be great to hear Jim talk with him today. So, Jim, why don't we get to that conversation? We are delighted to be talking today on Broncos Country Throwback with Lionel Taylor. Lionel Taylor is a ring of famer for the Denver Broncos, but that's just the tip of the iceberg of, of what he has been. Um, maybe the first great wide receiver in American Football League history. His records lasted 40 years, which is an incredible time, especially considering we're full-fledged in the passing game. But Lionel, back when you went out to New Mexico Highlands University, about the last thing on your mind was that you were going to be a, a legendary player for the Denver Broncos, who did not exist then, by the way. That's true. I got news for you. When I went to New Mexico Highlands back in those days, when I got here, I didn't think I was going to play football. They was playing single wing, and that's a that's a man's game. <laughs> and I wanted to throw the ball. They weren't throwing the ball too much with single wing. <laughs> what position did you play in, in that formation, Lionel? Well, I was the wide. We played an unbalanced line, and I played the weak side uh, receiver for one reason. I wasn't very tough, and you're on the strong side, you really had to block. <laughs> well, uh, that's just the way the game was then. But yeah. um, now you told me once that when it came time to the draft in those days, and I forget exactly how you put it, but I'd ask you to tell me again that some players the scouting wasn't in depth that they actually got like a postcard asking them if they wanted to play and what their position was. And you got something like that. Didn't you Lionel? Oh yeah. I got a postcard to fill out. My God, that was big time in those days. (laughs) I thought I hit the jackpot. (laughs) Now did that postcard come from the NFL or the Chicago bears or what? From the bears, From the NFL, from From the the bears. Bears. Yeah, it was, uh, you just put in your you you put your own weight in your speed and your height and yourself. You know, wasn't anybody coming by to measure you or, or work you out? Especially Boy, could you all- imagine? Yeah, that's amazing. And so you, when you went to Chicago, did they invite? Were you, uh, did they invite you as a free agent to try out, or how did that work? That was this it. Is Nineteen fifty-nine. Now, right? Yeah, and and listen, I went there as a linebacker. Can you believe it? Yeah, it, it is unbelievable. The guys were just talking about that in the intro to this particular segment. So you go as a linebacker. I think you played about eight games for them, played in about eight games, and they let you go. Now, well, meanwhile, well, what death- happened, they let me go the first year. And I and then I left and went to uh, California, and I played semi-pro ball. Tom, oh, that's Flores, right. Tom Flores and all of that. We played for the Bakersfield Spoilers. Uh and then the next year I went back and I I told him I said I can't play tight end because I mean I can't play a linebacker because I, I never hit anybody the whole time I played college ball. 
So well, I come back as a receiver, and that's what I went back as. Well, you're, you're kind of self-deprecating, but can you imagine that particular semi-pro team, Lionel Taylor and Tom Flores? That's that's incredible to think of now, Lionel, you know? Well, Tom played defensive back because he had hurt his shoulder in Canada, and I would play the first half, I would play a wide receiver, and the second half, I'd play quarterback. You know, and that's when I met wow. Dean that's when I met Dean Griffin, who was the general manager of the Broncos. And so Dean Griffin, so then now you've met Dean Griffin, the GM of the Broncos. And so in 1960, and we've already had training camp, the Broncos have played a couple of games in 60. And how did it happen that while they were on their East Coast road trip, you joined the team? Well, I, I got released uh, uh, like the year before when I played the eight games. I got released for two weeks, and I couldn't play. So the same thing George Howard told me is the same thing that happened last year would happen this year. I could be uh, released me for two games, and I could come back and play. And I'd seen Dean Griffin had already talked to me, and uh, he called me. Matter of fact, we was playing the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers the night before, and he called me and says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm getting ready to go to the game. He said, you've been put on waivers. I said, what? So I called George Howells, and he explained. So I went down and played the exhibition game. And uh, the next day I went to see George Howells, and we talked. And he says, well, I'll tell you what, we'll do the same thing we did last year. You take two weeks off, go home, see your wife, and come back. But at the same time, I had a ticket to the Broncos in uh, Plainsville, New Jersey. And I had all my clothes in the car, and J.C. Caroline was my roommate. So he took me to the airport. Oh, my said, God, the great J.C. Caroline. Yes, he took care of me. Yeah, he was my dad, I thought. <laughs> uh, so then I, I remember reading this. You you joined the Broncos, who basically at that time, I mean, Frank Trapuca is not quite, but almost drawing plays in the dirt. And you could get open and, and really you had the best hands in football, truly. And and I've heard that, that you know, Frank was saying, hey, hey, buddy, uh, without quite knowing your name, hey, could you do that again? Can you catch that again? Well, I tell you the I tell you the big thing about it uh, is that uh, I didn't see Frank. You know, Frank had a liquor store, had a business there in New Jersey. So yeah, he, he did okay. To, he didn't come to practice, so oh, I was out there practicing, and we got in the ball game that night, and and uh, I didn't start, and they went one series, and then they put me in the game, and I didn't know no Frank's name. So finally, I think it was the fourth quarter. I'd been in there and caught a few passes. I said, "Hey." Uh, can you, I didn't know if you knew terminology or not. I didn't know how great Frank was. I said, down and in, and he never said anything. I told him, I said, I'm open. And we went to the sideline, and the series went by, and we came back on the field, and he says, hey, you. I said, he said can you run that <laughs> post pattern? I said, yeah, I was surprised he said post pattern. So I ran the post for a touchdown, you know, and that was wow. the thing. But can the you imagine? Go ahead, Lionel, please. funny thing is that, when I showed up with the Broncos, I didn't have any shoes because I left the Bears, and I was with in Bear Mountain, and Dean Griffin wasn't there, and they wouldn't give me any shoes. And I had to borrow Lineman's shoes, a guy by the name of Smith. I borrowed his shoes to practice in. Can you imagine today a team not only stays back east because they're for finances to not yeah. fly twice, yeah. but the quarterback has a liquor store, so he's not at practice. 
and his new wide receiver, who's going to catch 92 passes, isn't working out with the quarterback. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible now. I, I know, yeah. You know, like, and I, you know, we had terminology or nothing. Frank, just thank God that I was lucky to be with Frank Kapuka, who was actually a coach on the field, you know. Yeah, Frank was a, a great player, and uh, it's really fitting. Uh, your statistics are obvious, but I've had some people say, well, how come Frank Kapuka's in the ring of fame, you know? But heck, he was the first quarterback to pass for 3,000 yards, and it was at that time when, Football was changing and was going from that running game to yeah. to a passing game, and boy, you guys you guys literally led the way. Uh, well, that's it, you know. And and if Frank, you know, people don't realize how good Frank was. If you couldn't catch the ball from Frank, he put it, he put the strings up, and he put it on the left shoulder, the right shoulder, he threw away from the coverage. So it was easy. I had an easy job as long as Frank was back there. Well, you didn't make his too hard either, I'll tell you. So now you catch 92 passes the first year. You come back and you catch 100 the second. And I can remember I was a, a young kid at that time, just a teenager. But even at then, you know, you're saying, you know, really, you're saying, how can this be? How how good is this? And and sure enough, now, when the Broncos changed uniforms, uh, Jack Faulkner came. So you were here when they went from the, the mustard and brown, you played in those. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have comments on the mustard and brown? Well, i got news for you. We had those, uh, I think Dean got them from Canada, the, uh, the uh, uniforms, uh-huh. and they were offbeat size because sometimes you have a pair of pants with be 42 in it, but they really fit like a 32. And once you got a pair that really fit, you put your name in them real quick. So you, you know. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Plus, they wore them for two years, so it's not like they threw anything out, right, Lionel? That's true. I, I got news for you. There's times when you put your thigh pad. I had pants to put my thigh pads in, and the, the inside was torn. I used to tape uh, the outside to keep the thigh pads in place, you know. Sure. Now, then Jack Faulkner comes in 62, and it's kind of like, the first new era of the Broncos, if you will, where uh, where he he's got a modernized playbook and and a lot of things really developed for the team, didn't they? Yeah, well, it went back because with the Bears, they as they were the same way they were really modernized, you know. But when I came to the Broncos, it was a totally different thing. You had a spiral notebook or whatever you wrote down, you just wrote it down, and uh, we used to go. And studied film. I was with the Bears. We studied defense and the offense. Studied offense. When I went to Broncos, we just put the reel on and we just ran the whole game. And we all sit there and look at it. And when Jack came, he'd been with uh, Sid Gilman, so you know everything. Like I got news. Different world. Yeah. Yeah. Business then. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you started with the Broncos, and I think I remember it, but I was so young, I, I might not. Wasn't it true? that your practice field was sort of on a slope, uh, me, on a hill? Let me tell you something. And the defensive coach always had – he was down, he was uphill, and we had to run uphill all the time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I got news for you. That was tough, man, up on the hill there, yeah. yeah. So you got to – and as I recall, that hill, actually, as fans, uh, eventually, when the Broncos had a different facility, but that was called Freeloader Hill. Yeah, that's right. The fans could just sit there and watch the game without buying a ticket. That's right. (laughs) 
Yeah, that was uh, well. It was tough on the D on the offense. I know we used to complain all the time because we hit the kind of, It was slanted, so we was always running uphill. You know. Oh, now I mean, if a putter, if a putter, if a ball got away from somebody, it's just like it runs down to the street. You got to go get the ball. Yeah, that's true. That's, but I got news for you. You did, in those days, you didn't lose too many balls. If you kicked the ball in the stands, we wouldn't got it if we could. You know. I remember that Dean Griffin. Got into a scuffle with a fan in 1960, wrestling over an extra point that Gene Mingo had kicked in the stands, and he got the ball, but it was such an outcry that at the next home game, they wound up having to give the fan tickets for the year, and it was embarrassing. Lionel, at that, like, 1960-61, tell our fans how you lifted weights. Well, I'll tell you what. You know these cans uh, where you get uh... – I think it's a gallon can or something. You get orange juice in or something like that. Well, yeah. we emptied those, and we filled them with concrete and put a metal bar in between each one. That was our weight. That was our weights. That was how, that was how the team lifted weights. Yeah. Incredible. But, uh, but you know, you, um, what, a, what a period of time. When the team went to the orange jerseys, and by the way, I love those jerseys. The shade of orange from in '62 that wasn't quite as red as later. Yeah, I, I love. I thought it was my favorite uniform. But the the, the helmet had that uh, that that caricature type horse on it. That drawing. Yeah. Now you developed something on your own. Tell me about the tail of the horse on your helmet. I don't know. I just got an idea. I looked at it and I said, I'm gonna cut the tail off. So I cut the tail off my helmet. If you ever, well, if you ever get a look at it, you know, after a certain time, you see my. T- I don't have a tail on my horse. Uh, I know. Well, I've I've seen that picture on the wall, probably not very far from where you are now in your home. Uh-huh. A, a picture on the wall, and you can see the players. And in your case, the helmet has the horse on it, but that there's no tail on the horse. Well, that's probably because I couldn't get away. <laughs> But no, uh, it was, no, that, no, that was no, just something I wanted. I don't know why I did it, but I, you know, everybody, we all are a little crazy at times, you know. So sure. I just, well, uh, I just developed that. You know, uh, our late equip, our late uh, assistant equipment guy, Ronnie Bill, told me that he used to always put the decals on your helmet. You liked him to do it, and he had to cut the horses the tail off. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Ronnie was like I say. He was, he was he was a player. He's he was more of a player with us. He was part of us. He was a great sure, guy. Sure, sure. Great guy. Now oh. um, he never he gave was, you anything had, free though. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie was uh, Ronnie guarded that equipment like it was his own, like he paid for it himself, didn't he? That's right. I'm telling you, because uh, I tried. Now, to and I think the only thing I got from Ronnie was after I left the Broncos. I think I got a hat or a T-shirt from him. <laughs> <laughs> um. When the team started the Ring of Fame, uh, what did you think of, of the Ring of Fame with Pat Bolin and Ring of Fame Plaza now? I, I think it's it's one of a kind in sports. I think it's fantastic. Well, I tell you what, I was totally, totally amazed when I came in and we was inducted into the Ring of Fame. And I saw the ring and the way things was, was you know, it was just fantastic at that time. And then it saw the development of it. It was just it was just something. Broncos were doing something no other team at that time was doing in, in pro football. I don't know if they are, anybody do, uh, does it as well now. You know, I, I don't he, know he that anybody really back, does. You know, he yeah. took care of us and first mm-hmm. class all the way. Yeah, it it 
it has really been something. Now, a friend of mine, Clark Judge, who's also one of the voters for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, the AFL is very underrepresented in the Hall of Fame. And, and I think it's because of a kind of a prejudice. And in this case, not racial prejudice, yeah. but those old-time East Coast sports writers, boy, thought they thought the NFL was it. And the AFL was just like um, a stepson. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, no, I understand. I so was I thought. I thought we yeah. got. I thought the worst thing happened. The whole thing. I still feel that way. When they merged together, the two leagues, they made it so that not two of the original AFL teams could play in the Super Bowl. You think that's that? right? It, that's right. Only one could make it. That's right. They didn't want to say that. You know, that both that there was a possibility that both teams could make it. But that would have been. That's the only thing that bugged me about it. You know. Yeah, but so now, so my friend uh, came up with a committee, and I'm honored to be on it. There are 15 voters on it, and I'm one, to name the top 10 AFL players not in the hall. It's called the the AFL Call to the Hall. And Lionel, uh, we haven't this uh, we haven't gone to the bottom to the final 10 yet, but to the final 20 from all the guys who played the AFL, uh, and I'm honored about this that. Naturally, I voted for you, and you're in the uh, top 20. And of all the wide receivers, he told me you got the most votes. Well, I tell you, that's a tribute to my teammates. I can tell you that. That's a tribute to that lineman in there holding people off, and the quarterbacks throwing the ball with a two uh, a thousand pounds coming off all the time. But it really, because yeah. my job was simple, very simple. I thought I had the easiest job in pro football because I'm out there wide. I'm out of the traffic. I used to got double coverage quite a bit, but I can, you know, it was easy for me. I had to come off the ball and just beat somebody, you know. So that was now you were, you were considered to have the best hands in pro football, and people they had to they had to see it to realize even what I'm talking about, Lionel. You could catch it with one hand. I mean, really. Well, yeah, you practice. You know, it's just it's, I don't know. It's just. Uh, it was it's something I could always do, eye hand coordination. You know, you, you pick the ball up and you just reach for it. When I was uh, in high school, went to the All Star game, a guy threw a ball over my head in practice and I didn't reach for it. And his coach says, How come you didn't reach for it? I said, Well, uh, I said, I couldn't catch it. He says, You don't know until you put your hand up. And that was the greatest uh, uh, thing any coach ever told me. And after that, I mm. just put my hand up and you'd be amazed what falls in it, you know. Mhm. Mhm. Now, um, Lionel, when you when your playing career ended, and when I mean, you had 567 catches, first guy to 500 catches, you know, first guy to 100 in a season, you led the AFL, I think, six of the first seven years in receptions, and you averaged you averaged 84 catches a year, and this is in the 60s. That's like now averaging 160 catches a year, Lionel. Well, you know, we, we threw the ball, and uh, I, I was very fortunate. I had Frank. Frank got me. Frank taught me a lot, and uh, and other guys ran good routes. You know, you you got to have you got to have teammate. You got to have teamwork. And the good receivers, they run their route, and I run mine. And the distribution. Just lucky that I was a favorite. Lucky to get open most of the time. Sometimes now, that way. Well, a lot, yeah. Now after your uh, after, I can remember one time against the Raiders. Honest to gosh, at one point you're catching so many passes, 
they had three guys on you. You were wide, and they had three guys out there on you. And if I'm not mistaken, you know, we threw you the ball, and you still caught the ball. It was almost almost amusing, really, you know? I think it, Charlie Sumner at that time was the defensive uh, backfield. Oh, yeah. And Charlie and I played together with the Bears. Well, Charlie played. I was just there on the, just there on the Bears roster. And Charlie was a defensive back, and he told me, a uh, backfield coach, when I went to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, he told me I almost got fired that day. I said, why? He said, Al Davis told us to double you all the time, and you caught, I think I caught 11 passes that day. You know. Yeah. Yeah, Al Davis could not have been too pleased because uh, uh, here he's turning around. He, he's beating everybody, but not the Broncos. Um, Lionel, people don't realize you had a tremendous career as a coach after you uh, retired from, from being an active player. Well, I was very fortunate. I got news for you. Art Rooney Jr. And, uh, and Art and them, well, they, they gave me talent. I tell you, all I had to do was walk on the field and roll the ball out there. I had Frank Lewis. Uh, Ron Shanklin, Stallworth, Swan, guys like that. I, I had a great group of people. Yeah, that was a great that was a great ball club. And then you even uh, after after Steelers and championships and everything else. If I'm not mistaken, you coached for one of the NFL's developmental leagues, like in Europe or something. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was in that was in as I got chance to yeah. I, my claim to fame there is I coached Brad Johnson. We were very close, and he won a Super Bowl for Tampa. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, those those were those were great days, and you know what the Broncos are now really was developed by by people such as yourself, and and I I do think that players recognize and appreciate this. You know they they know they don't they know they don't know who everybody is. And no, they, no, it's not no. really their fault, but they know they don't know. They know there were great players. Like if you were around, I know the players would treat you like a like a god, really. You know. I don't know about that, but anyway, it's, oh, no, it's I nice think to they be would. remembered. You know what I mean by that? You yeah, know? but it's a, it's a good group. Uh, I mean, it's a good group of players, and they, you know what I mean they they have respect. They have respect yeah. for the past. Lionel, what are your what are some of your great moments that you remember from your time with the Broncos? I, I I don't know. I just 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 being being in the league that was great for me. You know, playing that. The big thing with me for the Broncos and the remembering is the fans were so great. It wasn't that many at the time, but uh, I never walked off of the field after a game and somebody said anything negative. No bad. No matter how bad we played or how bad I played or anything, it was always positive, and that made you feel real good. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's. To me, I think they treated the they, the fans was just fantastic to me, you know, and everything. As far as on the field, I, I, that was a job, you know. I, I felt I felt this way about football. Saturday or Sunday, whenever we played, I owed the fans something. That when I walked off the field, I didn't want them to think that I I didn't give them a, give them good effort. That was my biggest thing. That I felt that was my day that I was supposed to perform. And and pay and give those people their money's worth. That's just the way I felt about it. You know. Well, I can remember as a young season ticket holder in the '60s, in the early early mid '60s, that I you stayed at the game because even if the Broncos were getting clobbered, you thought to yourself, you don't know seriously, you don't know what Taylor's going to do later on. You don't know what you're going to see. You don't know what you're going to see, so you don't want to leave. 
And there was many a times where you said, my God, you know, what a what a play that just was or something, you know? Can I bring up something? Remember I told you when you I went You can bring up the, anything. When I, when I went to the Broncos, remember I didn't have any shoes. And mm-hmm. I got and the uh, defensive offensive lineman Smith, I think he went to Michigan State was a guard. He let me wear shoes. Well, we was playing uh, Buffalo Bills, and we were down 30-something to 7 or 8 in the third quarter. And my shoes was muddy, so Smith told me, he said, Lionel, I got another pair of shoes. Put it, you can wear them. I put them on, and that day was the, my best statistical day. I wouldn't say the best game I played. But we ended up tying them 38-30. I think you may remember that. It was a oh, yeah, that was a famous – that was a very famous game. It was like a snow at halftime here in Denver. It's a snowstorm. That's and right. So all of a sudden, I mean, it's like there's highlights of it. I mean, a colossal snowstorm. You guys are down thirty-eight to seven. Give me a break. But the yeah. final, you you tied the game. It was an incredible game to see. And it was so much of you and I still, I still feel the day that I let us down on that one because I went out on the two-yard line. And I should have got in, and we had to kick a field goal to tie. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember. Well, I, remember yeah. I can tell you, I can tell you every ball I dropped. Do you understand that? Well, that that's how the great ones are. But uh, yeah. but you caught a whole lot of them, Lionel. Uh, you know, Lionel, we did just lose Jerry Sturm today. Oh, what? Remember oh, him? No. Uh, yeah. So uh, he he had Alzheimer's, and he uh, was in a facility. So, and I'm not I'm not making it nothing because of that. So. Because for a long time he was real sick. Yeah, but, I didn't uh, know that. But he did. Yeah, he did just pass away, but and you, I knew you played with him. Do you know he was one of the best uh, athletes we uh, athletes we had? He had a lot of talent. Great basketball player, Jerry. I tell you what, he could have been twice as great because he he had talent. He was talent. Yeah. Was well. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, he played in three leagues, and you yeah. know he played fifteen years. Of all the offensive linemen in Bronco history, I mean, moving around to different teams, he played the most years. 15 years, that's a long time, Lionel. They don't ask you to keep coming back unless you can play, right? Yeah, I've got news for you. I used to work out three times a day before I went to camp. I'd come to camp, Jerry Stern would be overweight, and he would run me in the ground. He just keeps uh, running, just I'm not, you know, we didn't run sprints, but just running laps and stuff. He would run me in the ground. I couldn't believe how could he do that. I work out three times a day. I used to work out at five in the morning, twelve, and five in the afternoon before I came to camp. And Jerry didn't work out, and he would just run me to death. <laughs> but so back in the days, Lionel. Now, now oh, yeah. a guy like that, if he's overweight and everything, heck, he'd be lucky to make it through camp. Is Just anybody, the way they, they weigh these guys you know. every time, all that, you know? Yeah. But he, he he was fantastic, a fantastic, a great person. We had a lot of fun together. We played basketball and things together, you know. Hey, let me mention a couple of names to you, and you tell me just what you think. These are guys who also made that uh, call to the hall, AFL. Dave Grayson, remember him? Cornerback for the uh, um, uh, Raiders, yeah. Dave yeah, Grayson, the Raiders. Yeah. Uh-huh. He had his son uh-huh. play for, uh, I think, Cleveland Browns. Boy, that's very good. Almost nobody knows that. David Lee Grayson Jr. Yeah. played for the Browns, his son. Yeah. Dave Grayson was a heck of a guy. And yes, he worked he was. Causes. A little, he, was a, he was a feisty little son of a gun, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, he worked on causes that benefited, like, the African-American community 
Well, I'm not saying before, but you know, almost before, you know, before back in the day. A oh long yeah, time I understand ago. what you're saying. Yeah, he used to get in my chest all the time. I tell you that. Yeah. Uh, how about um, do you remember? How about Art Powell of the Raiders? Oh, Art Ride was little, Art. Art as he was actually the tall guy. He was a little bit because uh, in those days the receivers wasn't as big. Now they are. But Art had mm-hmm. great, good, great speed and good height and catch the football. Art was fantastic. Yeah, he played mm-hmm. in New York. Yeah, I remember yeah, my so, uh, brother who was a fighter too uh, and played a little pro football. Oh no, kidding! I didn't realize that. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, um, back in the day, a lot of athletes did a lot of things. Lionel, any uh, uh, any other great moments or memories you want to bring up? No, not not too much to bring up. You know, I, I tell you something. What happened in the All Star game? I didn't. Uh, uh, Pro Bowl was playing. Uh, Topuka was in quarterback, and he hadn't been practicing much. And uh, never will forget. We got into the fourth quarter, and they put him in. The game was fourteen fourteen, and we was all said, "Jesus Christ, we didn't mean that we gotta play overtime." We was only making seven hundred dollars if we won the game. You know, seven hundred mm-hmm. and five. And so Topuka didn't even know the plays. And I never forget Abner Haynes. He says he's told Topuka. He says just call the plays that you and Lionel ran at Denver. And three, <laughs> <laughs> I see it. And three plays later, we stayed in the end zone. We won the game. And me and Topuka, we threw me a hitch. I caught a hitch, and I ran a long pattern. I caught it. And you know how Frank he has had a great sense of humor. And mm-hmm. I didn't score. He says. If you'd have been fast enough, you should have scored then. You know, so if we go back in the hole, it was on about the seven-yard line, and they had a defensive back from Houston who gave me a hard way to go. Most of them gave me a hard way to go. But I'd never forget Bansfield. And I was – and Topuga wanted me to – was down there, and, and he was saying – and I wanted to run a slant in and back out to the corner. And Frank told me he had something, and I was hollering at him, but I want to run this. And he said what he told me. He just running, and I ran, and he threw it for a touchdown, and that's what you wow. And guess what? Well, that's I did. A, we what? did the interview. The bus went off and left me at Balboa Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a ride with a with a friend, a, a guy that uh, uh, his brother that I went to school with, and he had a wreck in the car with me in there. Oh, jeez. By the way. Wasn't that a beautiful little stadium in San Diego, Balboa Stadium? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Oh, just, it was, it was just a thing of beauty. I mean, you know, and uh, I mean, now they're building these these palaces, but boy, that was a charming place. And those memories, uh, there was, it's hard to understand for people, but there was nothing like the AFL. The AFL was incredible, Lionel. Oh, it was. It was. We not, They opened the game up. Let me tell you, it changed the game. You know, they start, yes, they, did, they, they start blitzing. You know, you used to read maybe one or two guys that come occasionally. Red in the AFL, you look up, and my God, the whole team is coming sometime, you know, on defense, you know. You and know, who, I thought another thing that they did was sociologically, and especially the Kansas City Chiefs for with African-American players. Yeah. They, well, you, they stopped counting heads. You know what I mean? They said, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're not playing that game. We're well, bringing you know, them in. I went to the uh, NFL, nothing against it, but we all knew that uh, they basically didn't keep an extra black player because you had to rule sure. by yourself. Yeah, so, I mean, it was all. And I was, was with the Bears, and I never will forget. Too. I started counting the players. I said, I'm not good enough. J.C. Carolina is better than I am. 
Herm Lee, defense uh, offensive lineman, is better than I am. J.C. Caroline is better than I am, and they just drafted uh, Eric Barnes from Purdue as number one. And I said, I'm I'm out. I'm the fifth black. I'm out. And they mm-hmm. kept. I had a room by myself as a rookie all the time because that, they, that was they, actually a compliment that they kept you. Yeah, that's right. But the point, you know, it's, they're just saying, you know, we knew that, you know. Well, and it then, was a. I think, it was a different age, you know, but uh, yeah. but the but boy in the AFL they opened it up and uh, yeah. and um, well of course there's the old story that when Southern Cal beat uh, Alabama once and oh, Sam yeah. Bam huh Sam Bam Cunningham is the fullback and um, and I, I heard that actually Bear Bryant went and got him and brought him over to the Alabama locker room and put his hand on his shoulders and said gentlemen. This here is a football player, and uh, and you know that um, Alabama alums said, "Well, what are we going to do? How are we going to beat him?" He said, "Well, we're never going to beat him because we don't get we don't do black players." And that the Alabama alums said, "Well, the heck with that! You go get him, Bear." They and did, a friend they? of mine, yes, and a friend of mine jokes. Now, don't get me wrong; he means this, but he says Sam Bam Cunningham did as much for integration in sports as Martin Luther King. Yeah, because all of a sudden Bear Bryant said, "Oh no, no, we're I'm uh uh, uh you coming to Alabama?" I think Sam is one of the first backs who went over top of everybody. You oh, know, Donald, you, right. he was staff, a, you couldn't yeah. stop him. He was a stud. I tell now, you that. Speaking of speaking of big fullbacks, though, one of them who made my list, uh, and I know you played with him, and he was quite a character, Cookie Gilchrist. Best football player I ever played with in my life. Yeah, that um, it it's just a it's, shame how it happened out of high school. But, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, Paul we Brown were, offers. We were good friends to the end. We stayed together. Oh, he was the something. And uh, but Cookie, you know, Cookie could place kick. He could kick off. He could. Mm-hmm. And he played defense also in Canada. He made all pro defense and offense yeah. in the same year. He in was, the history of the Broncos. Only two linebackers have made more interceptions than Cookie had. Gratishar and Jackson. Yes, Tom Ah. Jackson and Gratishar are the only two linebackers with more career interceptions than Gilchrist had at linebacker besides being a place kicker and a fullback that you can't imagine. That's the wonderful thing for you to say because the best best football player you ever played against, I've often thought – uh, amazing guy. Just I could talk forever about him, but uh, you, and then can he. I you, can I tell you a story real quick? You you sure can. When I was with the Raiders, we went up to uh, in Nebraska and played uh, the Broncos and uh, North Platte. Yeah, God, leave all places. My yeah, we <laughs> but the airplane it was so small that they took they flew us in and they couldn't turn the engines off because they didn't have the power. To, to start it again, so they kept one engine going. You know how they can kick it back on. But anyway, playing the game and cookies with them, and uh, was playing uh, and was on a, a guy by the name Carlton Oates played defense and another uh, defensive end, and we was coming back on the airplane and they had the legs up and getting ice on them and everything. And uh, this guy said, "Who? What happened?" He says, "Did Cookie get you too?" Because when you blitz Cookie, boy, he knocks you on your butt. Cookie was 250-some yeah. pounds. He was yeah, a man. Yeah, he was something. Yeah. He was a man. He I'll never something. forget we was playing an exhibition game out there, 
and having it, and you know, and exhibition. Some guys don't want to play that much, and Abner, right. <laughs> Abner was complaining about uh, about playing. Could you say, get the hell off the field? Then he said, let, let, give me the ball, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And John McCormick, who used to be our quarterback, Cookie always asked, I want the ball, I want the ball thirty times, I want the ball. He wanted the ball every play. It was oh, he was something. Game. And Cookie was getting tired. I think John had ran him three times in a row or something. And Cookie was complaining by giving him a break. And McCormick says, you the guy always wanted 30 times. He called his play again for him. You know. Uh-huh. But then Cookie, uh, I'll tell you. he was ahead of his time. He was ahead of his time. He was he was way ahead of his time. Yeah. Uh, he was way ahead of his time. So, uh, anyway, I'm going to let you go, Lionel. It's Thank you. It's a pleasure talking. It's an honor talking to you. And someday down the road, maybe we'll call you again. But, you know, they <laughs> rotate these around, so so it won't be next week when I call you or anything. You know what I mean. Remember the last time we talked? You remember the last thing I told you? Is it, where's the check? <laughs> oh, yeah, unfortunately, I still don't have a check. Now you, sound like, co- now you sound like Cookie. Now you sound like Cookie. Now you sound like Cookie, though. That's right. I got <laughs> cookie. cookie taught me those things. <laughs> Oh, you but, got a good memory. Uh, it's great talking to you. But, always uh, yeah, that. and it was wonderful to see you. You know, I told the guys, uh, Phil and Eric, that I could just about drive to your house from here. Honest to gosh, you drive me at I-25 to Rio Rancho, yeah. turn right, make a couple other turns, and there we are. Very nice home. And and Lionel, I, I wish you nothing but seashells and sunsets and happiness, and, uh, and we'll talk to you down the road. This is a great honor for me, Lionel. Take care. It's my it's my pleasure. All you know that. My four. Thank you, you. You take care. This is Lionel Taylor on Broncos Country Throwback. Bill, that was Jim Sakamano's conversation with Lionel Taylor. Just really great to hear from some of these initial players of the Broncos, what it was like to play back then. And it's hard to say, Phil, that, you know, many players made a bigger impact than Lionel Taylor did when he was here with the Denver Broncos. Obviously one of the best wide receivers in franchise history and Crazy to think that he first came out as a linebacker when he was drafted by the Chicago Bears. So uh, a different era of football, but obviously Taylor, one of the best of all time. You can uh, hear great stories like this all the time on Broncos Country Throwback. Make sure you subscribe to that channel. Brand new channel in the Broncos Audio Zone. So make sure you look for that. Wherever you find your podcasts now, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify will be back next week with another episode. Until then, for Jim Sakamano, Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani.